Welcome to Rem and Sam. What could possibly be our longest, biggest episode? A lot has happened. We thought, you know, we thought last week was going to be our craziest one. This one went over the top. We got the Chiefs taking home the season finale prize, top prize in all the land. NBA trades happen even when we turn off our mics. It gets even crazier. And we still came back, as we promised, with the NBA All-Star Draft. Our picks, Rising Stars um, playing game, or playing game, Rising Stars game. Our picks for that, even though they already drafted. We're making our own teams. Um, sorry, mostly G League players. And, you know, a little bit of Frisbee with the first tournament this Saturday. But, of course, we got to start with the biggest event in america each year that is the super bowl rem you know i you know you know it's my team and i'm gonna show love but what you got what what really stood out this game congratulations sam once again two times in five years i get two times in four years really the mm-hmm. chief on top of the world super bowl champions you did you have you had to decline your invite to the super bowl parade right because they did that today we're recording this uh wednesday night and yeah, it seemed like it was fun. You're the number one Chiefs fan in the media. Everybody knows it. The Mahomes thing, I guess it, it's your team. Just go first. Mahomes, you know, the five-year run now that we've had, we can get into it. We can get into the stats. This is your guy. This is your team. Congratulations on the Super Bowl year. My team, we have the fourth pick in the draft. We have the worst odds in the league to win the Super Bowl next year. But congratulations, Pat Mahomes. Maybe he's the GOAT. Just maybe. Just maybe. Is that... One game that Mahomes played his rookie season will always skew his stats. It's always a what if that 50 touchdown was his rookie season because it would make his stats so much crazier. But yes, like you mentioned, two Super Bowls uh, wins in the last four years. Uh, We've gone to three in the last four years. Um, Like we've mentioned beforehand, five straight conference championships at home. So, you know, that we're able to bring two of them home is just another accomplishment on top of the craziness that, you know, the consistency that has shown the last couple of years. And just to put in perspective, what Mahomes has done these last five years, um, you know, pretty, some pretty big stats, you know, the first NFL player or first NFL player in history to win multiple championships and multiple league MVPs in his first six seasons should really be five, but you know, we're not counting that. And Mahomes in this past season has won, you know, the MVP, Super Bowl MVP, led the NFL in passing yards, passing touchdowns. Only Brady, Manning, and Warner all did it, uh, did those feats once in their whole careers. Uh, Mahomes did that all in this season, his fifth year. And in the five years as a starter, we've had five straight championship conference games, five straight division titles, five straight 12-win seasons. And, um, and of course, everything has to fall apart when I'm reading it. Five straight Pro Bowls and then two Super Bowls, two MVPs and two Super Bowl MVPs. And, you know, we could keep going on with the stats over and over, but it's just wild when you look at, you know, the run that Mahomes has gone the last couple of years. You know, it's kind of spoiled as Chiefs fans. And, you know, I can't wait for the next five years because, it doesn't look like this train stopping anytime soon. And you could say, you know, first five years, whatever, just as a five-year time period 
in general in the NFL in NFL history, just any five year stretch that a quarterback has had, you could arguably put this Pat Mahomes run against any five year run that any other quarterback has had in NFL NFL history. I mean, if you want to go way back, I don't know if Unitas counts, you know, grandfather of the league, first OG quarterback in the 50s, winning MVPs, five, you know, top three finishes all five years from 57 to 61, led the league in passing yards, was the first great quarterback. But when you go to Montana in the 80s, Joe Montana, 86 to 91, league MVP twice, two Super Bowls, 49 and 11 record, 94.6 quarterback rating. Obviously, the stats are different back in the day. You know, it's different football, different eras now. Montana was super clutch in the playoffs. But, you know, the Mahomes numbers, even in the modern era, are just kind of ridiculous for what he's doing on a year-to-year basis. I mean, Favre, for his career, had most of the all-time records when he retired. His best five-year run from 94 to 98, where he won, you know, back-to-back-to-back MVPs in 95, 96, and 97. Two Super Bowl appearances, won a Super Bowl. But again, just like the gunslinger stuff, the highlight reel the arm angles and the throws that Mahomes make that that made Brett Favre special back when he first came into the league with his gunslinger mentality. Mahomes is just better at all that stuff. His numbers are better, more Super Bowls, you know, one less MVP. But Breeze, from a numbers perspective in the 2000s, 2011 to 2015, probably put up the most numbers that a quarterback has ever had, but only made the playoffs twice in those five years. One top MVP finish as well in 2011. And then you, when you get to Manning and Brady, you know, it's close for what those guys could have done. Manning in the regular season, you know, just pick any five year run that Manning had in the regular season. But, you know, 2009 to 2014 won two league MVPs, three Super Bowl appearances, one Super Bowl win. That was actually his last couple years in Indy and then, and then his uh, career in Denver, those last years. And then, the last couple of years that Brady had on the Pats, the first couple of years on the Bucks. But again, the Mahomes numbers are ridiculous. He almost he's more passing yards almost than anybody on this list besides Manning and Breeze. As many Super Bowls as any of these guys, uh, as many MVPs. So I would just put this half decade up against any other half decade run. But it's also just it's his first five years in the league. This is the only five years that Pat Mahomes has ever produced. And it's all-time stuff already for a guy that's just like, it's just crazy that you could do this this early on, be this dominant, just be this impactful right away because you never ever see this from this guy. Where it's like, you know, even Brady early on where they win the three Super Bowls, obviously that's a super stacked team. He's not doing the MVP stuff that Mahomes is doing over this stretch. So now it's like we start to talk about after a five-year run almost, like, do we get to start talking about all-time ranks with this stuff? Because if you're talking about a half-decade run in the league where you're the best quarterback in the league, putting up all-time numbers, constantly you know, winning the most, being in the conference championship now, coming out on top twice over that five run. I mean, how high do we get to talk about ranking this guy all-time now? Yeah, and considering that it is his first five years, you know, like you mentioned, some other uh, players in history have had similar runs or, you know, more success. But 
you know, when you really dig into how good the team has been around Mahomes in these first couple of years, especially looking at it like compared to Brady, who had three Super Bowls in the first five years, um, Mahomes has had, you know, some of the worst teams around him, and he's really dragging them. I mean, you know, for some stats from uh, Mike Sandow at the Athletic, you know, around Mahomes, he's had the 27th best defense and special teams EPA, while Brady had the second best, you know, and of course, Brady didn't have any MVPs, and Mahomes has had two. And most of the resources for the Chiefs has gone to their quarterbacks, and when you really look at, you know, what Mahomes has had to deal with over these past couple of years, you know, he's kind of had the hardest path to winning um, these Super Bowls, and he still got it done. Most of the time, I mean, you know, Kansas City finished the Super Bowl with a negative 14.1 EPA on defense and special teams. And, you know, and Mahomes, when he, even with the injury, he still, to his legs, he still found a way to scramble, you know, wasn't really his thing. Of course, Jalen Hurts got a lot more yards on the ground than him, but that's Hurts' game. But when you look at, you know, Mahomes, he still was versatile in this game and still used his leg as a weapon, even though he was injured, um, you know, scrambling for, I think, was his fifth longest run in postseason, uh, 26 yards. And he's picked up 24 first downs on scam- scramble runs in the postseason since 2018, more than double any other quarterback, which is just wild. Um, but it just goes to show you that, you know, Mahomes does whatever he needs to do to win, especially in the postseason. And usually that's usually the sign that he's serious. As a Chiefs man watching him, he rarely scrambles during the regular season. But in the postseason, when it's late game, big time situations, that's usually when he gets out and runs. So to see him still do that with his injuries and still find a way to, you know, come out of the locker room down 10 and come out and pretty much score a touchdown in every drive besides the last one, which he could have. But, you know, of course, they were killing clock and just find a way to respond like champions because they could have really folded. Um, Things could have fell apart. Um, you know, especially after hobbling off after that one tackle and he came out and won the game, even though the Chiefs did. I mean, the Eagles did hurt themselves, but we're focused on Mahomes right now. In all of his like biggest moment in the playoff plays are also like scrambles as well. Like think about against the Titans in the playoffs, that scramble, you know, he just had big moments using his legs to get away the mobility. Like you said, the two way threat with him has been awesome and if it just the accolades now that he's put up over his five-year run i get there's a longevity with some of the guys that have played the quarterback because obviously brady you know dominating for two decades is at this point unassailable i think peyton manning too just in the regular season being as dominant as he was i think a quarterback has to play a long time to top a guy like peyton manning but you know manning montana like those guys, Brady, they don't physically do the things that Pat Mahomes, like you said, like like you were saying with the scrambling, with using your legs, like just extending the plays, like they just don't have that ability in them. I mean, they beat teams with their minds. Brady obviously won more than anybody alive, but Mahomes physically is just more capable than any quarterback we've ever seen potentially. And he's also just the most productive quarterback that we've ever seen from the five years that he's produced. And it, once you go, once you go Brady Manning, I think Montana too, just his playoff clutchness, you know, doing it four times 
I think four times is, you know, you, again, you have to do a lot to match that. And in my mind, you know, Unitas is just going to be on a Mount Rushmore because he was the guy that ushered in the modern quarterback position. But once you combine the physicality and the production, once you get past those guys, like Elway, both of those guys physically talented, Mahomes probably more so. And Elway never made a first team all pro. You know, three Super Bowls in four years in the 80s, but never won any of those. One more toward the end of his career when the team was built around, you know, Terrell Davis, Sharp was there, the defense with Atwater and the secondary. You know, that that team was much more stacked near the end, Elway near the end of his career. Moreno was only, a you know, one MVP, one Super Bowl appearance at the beginning of his career. Again, Favre in the 90s, that team, you know, once Favre gets out of the 90s, he continues to produce, but... He's not like the high-level playoff quarterback. And even in the 90s, you know, he's good, but that team is stacked. That's probably the death, best defense in the league. Reggie White's one of the greatest defensive players of all time. Aaron Rodgers, it's, you know, he's had a, four MVPs. It's an impressive resume. He has maybe just the most talent, the most accuracy, like just the best-looking throws that any quarterback has ever had. But Rodgers' career versus what Mahomes has done now Mahomes already has more Super Bowl appearances than Rodgers. He has two. Rodgers has one. He has as many. He has three. Three. Yeah, three Super Bowl appearances. Rodgers has one. Two Super Bowl wins to Rodgers one. As many conference championships appearances Rodgers with five. And he has the same amount of playoff wins as Aaron Rodgers with 11. Five years into his career. So I get Aaron Rodgers has had the run, but in the playoffs when it mattered, again, Mahomes time and time again has come through. He has the best highlights, the most insane talent. It's it's crazy to say after five years, you know, could you put him top five? But in a fantasy draft situation, if you're lining all these guys up throughout the course of NFL history, which quarterback are you taking? I mean, that situation, it's probably between Brady and then and then you could probably make the case for Mahomes at two. And in just a statistical what have they done? What have they looked like over the course of his career? I mean, is top five too high? I mean, it's it's getting up there. And, you know, when you look at the careers, you know, that he's starting to get compared to, he did to be up there and start really making a serious case to make the climb towards Brady. He did need this Super Bowl win. Um, you're only making the Super Bowl so many times. And, you know, two out of three, now you can start talking about, you know, he could realistically make, you know, win five in his career. If you really look at it, you know, you look at the chances he can get. If he only gets one out of three, then you're starting to, it's starting to get a little shaky with the case. But yeah, that's a huge tell that, you know, he already has as many playoff wins as Rodgers and conference appearances. I had no idea that's that's just flat out wild. I mean, only five conference appearances is really rough for Mahomes. But, you know, when you go back and look at, the times that Mahomes really got knocked out of the playoffs, you know, rarely was it a fair fight. I mean, so there was the um, Tennessee game he didn't play, but the New England game, we, you know, we all gone through it. They got an interception. You know, first of all, they go to overtime. They're at home. They should have gotten that interception if Frank Clark, you know, I think it was Frank Clark, wasn't on the offside line. So one play away from losing or winning. Then we have the San Francisco win, come back from behind. Then the Buccaneers stomp them out, um, you know, which they recovered from, mistakes learned. And then the Cincinnati Bengals game, three-point loss at home in overtime. 
And something that I forgot, Mahomes is probably concussed. When you look at the game, I mean, he wasn't all there. He got hit really hard during the middle of the game. He was stand, you know, he was wobbling around. So, you know, when it's you true, look at it's the, true. I mean, he was probably not all there. So when you have his concussion with the Bengals, um, and you know, you throw that out and you give him an O line, we could probably see him be four out of five Super Bowl appearances. You know, that New England thing goes the other way. But the main point is this that each of those games, you know, besides the Buccaneers game, it, it came down pretty much to the last play. And there was very, you know, it was a flip coin whether they would lose it or not in most of those. And, you know, if that's a sign of greatness that you brought your team pretty much to as close as you can. In the playoffs, you always need luck. You always need things to work out. But, you know, you can't show consistent times where we're like, oh, we got you. You know, we got it because Mahomes messed up here. And this is where he is bad at his job. No, none of those situations have that. I mean, even that Super Bowl against the Buccaneers, he was hitting his players in the helmet. You know, they, they, they couldn't get an offensive touchdown and he was running for his life. I mean, at the end of the game, you know, no one was talking about how great Jimmy G was or not Jimmy G, how great Tom Brady was playing. You know, we we, we all said, you know, he, he did his job game manager. But, you know, it was Mahomes who was pretty much horizontal with the ground still getting the throw off. So even in his worst moment, moments, Mahomes, Mahomes has shined the most. And, you know, this just continues to show that, you know, Mahomes is on top. But, you know, I, I know fans are going to come out from the Eagles and say, you know, he was helped, which obviously, you know, each of these playoff games, you know, he everyone needs a little luck here and there. But at the end of the day, you know, Mahomes has still not been got seriously. And we haven't seen Mahomes really, really make a mistake in the postseason. And, you know, Bradbury as well in that game had a play in the second quarter where it was a third down. Smith Schuster's like making a break, trying to get the first down and Bradbury holds him. Schuster does is not able to get the catch. They don't call it. So Bradbury was grabbing all game. That was a hold at the end of the game. It, it's not like it wasn't a penalty. So I don't know why fans are complaining. It's just a bummer that there was a penalty at the end of the game. But it happens. And if you look at these other great quarterbacks that we're going through, like only a handful of these guys have actually been, you know, perfect or near perfect, or at least going into the game, the mindset of the fan is, you know, this guy has it no matter what. Like it's Brady, Montana, four Super Bowls, four appearances. I think, I think Elway's run is underrated in the 80s to make the three Super Bowls, but to not get one is a bummer. And what I, and then, you know, go way back. What do you want to talk? Bart Starr and Otto Graham as like the great playoff quarterbacks. Like Mahomes has been virtually perfect. I mean, the conference championship is one game away. And in both of those games, he has lost in overtime. Like, you can't put him away in regulation in the regular season unless it's the Super Bowl, unless it's just a terrible O-line against a great pass rush. And even in that game, you know, he's making plays where the ball, he's making passes. The ball's hitting receivers off the face mask. There's like two or three plays where if Tyreek Hill makes a catch here, if the running back on that iconic Mahomes play, is that, is that Damian Williams on that play? I think hits yeah, him in the face mask. So somebody, if they make, kill too. there are like two or three plays in that game where it could swing. The score could have been closer. And if the score is close again, Mahomes in the playoffs, like who knows? So again, the pedigree, the run, there are guys that have had long, great careers in the NFL that you have to pay respect to. But nobody has put up the five years that 
Mahomes has put up. And it's just crazy that already he is accolades wise as well on par with some of these guys who are like Moreno is like, you know, Moreno had the run. You're like, of course, Moreno is better all time than Mahomes, but you just, you put the resumes up against each other and it's, you start going down the list of guys far again, we've already done it with Rogers and it's just, it's crazy how close it is after these first five years. So like, what does, what does he have to do? What does the resume have to look like? What does he have to put together? Because we've seen it with LeBron with the MJ where you go, man, six titles in six shots is just going to be tough to beat. But then a guy comes into the league and he's doing stuff that you've never seen before. Athletically, he is above and beyond every other player that's ever been in there. And then you start putting together these stats and stuff. And it just, you start going, man, this is getting closer than we think. And then one day, you know, LeBron's breaking the scoring record. And you're like, man, we have to have a conversation now about LeBron is probably the best basketball player to ever play in the NBA. So what is the resume do you think have to, what does he have to put together to catch Brady at this point? Cause I mean, obviously the Brady thing's huge. Yeah. Yeah. I think Brady is the standard and I think similar to LeBron and MJ, you know, for them to really reach legitimacy. And I think that's why LeBron has pretty much reached it for me in my mind is you got to get within two rings. And that's why I'd probably say he probably needs to get within five, five or six. And then you can start, you know, really looking at Brady's early wins and being like, you know, did he really earn all three of those rings? And then, you you know, you can start smudging the line. You're like Mahomes, you know, has been great ever since then. You know, right now he only has two. But once he starts cracking four or five, then at that point, you can have serious conversations about between him or Brady. You know, I think he's pretty much, you know, looking level at most quarterbacks, you know, besides, you know, Brady, maybe Manning, you know, one or two, three guys above him still. But once he starts hitting, once he wins one or two more, you know, has a couple more of these runs, it's it's going to be tough keeping him out of that top two, top three list of all-time QBs. And right now, you know, the only thing that's stopping him is the amount of time. I mean, he just hasn't had a chance to get more runs. And, you know, it doesn't look like this team is going much anywhere. Everyone's staying together, you know. I don't I don't know why Reed was talking about retiring. You better stop all that. But Was he even uh, talking about it, or was that yeah. just a rumor that was getting floated that. around? I don't, know. I don't know who started that. They always do that. Every time, like, every time the Super Bowl, you know, the, the team, the favorite team, that maybe a little older, they're like, oh, you want to retire, Darnold, or you want to retire, McVay? And then, you know, it's it's always weird. But um, I don't I, I think Reed knows, you know, he can rack up some rings here, and I don't know why he would leave. Um, but I know we've been tiptoeing around it, but I guess we do got to address the other team that other actually took the field, the Eagles, and – you know what? The Eagles did lose because of one decision, but it wasn't the refs coming up next. No, it's coming up right now. It wasn't the holding call, guys. Get out of here with that. Okay. Even Bradbury considered it as a holding. And, you know, we also have the fumble touchdown, which should have been called a touchdown because I guess two hands on the ball isn't a catch. You know, that would have made the game closer. Also, you know, the, um, what's his face? Dallas Goddard, who, by the way, I did really like, I actually thought was way better than Zach Ertz when they traded him. I, I totally agreed with that trade when they got rid of him. Um, you know, and he was lights out in this game, you know, it shouldn't have been a catch that point, but the decision that Serrani, that I think will give Serrani up at night, the fourth and three punt, the one and only punt in the second half 
when you look at it, it is fourth and three on the Philly 32. Rem, why didn't they go for it? I don't understand. I I think this was the pivotal moment that, you know, we, and it was kind of similar thing that, you know, we have, and I was trying to explain to my dad, we have in like Frisbee where you have a break. And so how it's scoring is there's only a certain number of points that can be scored. And it's the same way with the Super Bowl because we knew it was points are going to run up and you have turns. People are taking turns. And so it's like one scores and then one tries to tie. One scores and one tries to tie. And then Philly at that point had their foot on their necks. They were the one scoring and we were the one trying. And they had a fourth and three situation and they punted it. And that pretty much gave us, you know, pretty much a break, which you would call a Frisbee. But in this case, it gave us a chance to go up on them and then they had to tie so why? Why did Sarani all game long? He's like, we got the O line man, we got the dogs in the paint, you know that, you know the, you know big boys in the, uh, in the trenches, which they did. I mean, any short situation they could, and for some reason, when we're in the middle of our scoring run, they punted it, which is the reason why one of the biggest reasons why Mahomes has another ring right now. I don't get it. No, and that's that's a great way to put it. You almost have to look at this game. And you can see it after the first couple drives, but you almost have to get in your mind that this game is like, it's being scored backwards. Like you said, there's a limited number of points. It's almost like a race to get to zero. Like, you know that there's just going to be 40 points in the game. I mean, it's 38 to 35. We're getting close. Both teams come out right away, move the ball up and down the field. Like, I, you know, first play, come out, Miles Sanders fumbles. It's that big momentum play for the Chiefs. But right after that, the Eagles go right down. Same with the Chiefs. That's why the one point in the game where if you're a Chiefs fan, you're probably a little nervous is when Butker comes out, misses the field goal. Because like you said, you're like, you know, how many scoring opportunities do we get? He misses the field goal. And then the management at the end of the second half as well, where Mahomes, he tries to scramble, doesn't get away on third down. The punt, Covey with the long return. And then, you know, they drive down. Luckily, you're able to hold him to a field goal, but it's 14 to 24. So that, that was the one point with these games. Uh, yeah, I get it. If you're Sirianni, you just have to go for the touchdown. I mean, both offenses are moving up and down the field. I agree. You just kind of have to go for it. You have to commit if you're him, especially if you've been like him, like an aggressive coach. He's been even to like in the short yarded situations as well. Like that's kind of Philly's thing. It's where their offenses thrived. And he has just seemed like he's coached with the mindset this entire year that you cannot stop our offense in four, you cannot stop our offense from getting 10 yards in four plays. Like we're just going to figure out how to get three yards somehow, whether it's Hertz checking it down, running with his legs, something's going to happen. We're going to pick up three yards every, you know, every four plays, we're going to make it work. So when coaches veer away from what they do, that's where it, you know, that that's where they start to mess up. And I think Sirianni, if you're in that situation, if you have to go back and redo it, I think you do. I think you have to go for it. Yeah. And like you mentioned, I mean, definitely missing that field goal made me nervous. It was a little racking to, nerve wracking to see, you know, us going down. Um, that Jalen Hurts fumble really kept us in the game. And that one, I think that one is going to really haunt him because that, I mean, it pretty much, you know, kept us in that like little scoring back and forth, you know, pretty much saved us, you know, because once we came out of that second half and got that touchdown, now it's only a three point game. So, and and, was, Bolton, and Bolton's going to go down as like the lost MVP of the Super Bowl as well, because it was yeah. Damian Williams in the 49ers Super Bowl, you know, 20 touches, 100 whatever yards, couple touchdowns. Bolton in this game has on that fumble return. He's also the guy that comes in 
strips it, picks it up, runs it back. And then he's right place, right time for another play as well in that game. Runs it into the end zone, but that one gets called back. It doesn't count, but he's flying all over the place. He'll he'll be lost because, you know, we just did whatever, how many minutes on Mahomes. But yeah, he <laughs> his, his performance, it, it'll go under the radar. No, it'll definitely will. And it's definitely going to be one of those plays that is going to be head scratching, you know, for for the uh, Eagles because they have been beating us in this very game with a kind of um uh, kind of short yardage situations. And, you know, at that point in time, in the biggest moment, they decided to punt it, which, you know, I was happy with. I was celebrating for sure. So how do you feel about Jalen Hurts now? Because I think going into the season, the, the quarterback tiers just in general, kind of across the league, I think looked different heading into the season than they do now. I think there were more guys in the top tier, but obviously at this point, Mahomes is just kind of in a league of his own. He's the top guy. Tier one is just Pat Mahomes by himself. I think tier two for quarterbacks right now is, I think it's just Joe Burrow as, you know, almost kind of Mahomes. Mahomes, the physical athleticism ability that he has is just unassailable with the production as well. But Burrow, his impact the first couple of years, I think if you're any other team, if you can't get Mahomes, I think you want Burrow's impact. I think he is tier two by himself, but tier three, you know, I, this is where we get, you know, Josh Allen, you know, whatever you want to think of what, wherever you think Rogers is still at in his career. Maybe he makes a case Lamar, but this is where the field kind of opens up. There's a lot of talent here. And I don't think we would have put Hertz on the same level as a guy as Josh Allen, a guy as Justin Herbert, but this performance is, you know, Across the board, the numbers are going to look really good. 27 of 38 for 304, a touchdown, 103.4 rating with, you know, 70 rush yards and three rushing touchdowns on top of that. Pro Football Focus, I think, had it one of it, had it as one of its highest graded Super Bowl performances, just in general for a quarterback. And it came in a loss, probably one of the better Super Bowl performances in a loss. If you just think like Tom Brady versus the Eagles. Russell Wilson for the Pats go way back Super Bowl 13 stall back putting the Cowboys on his back almost beating the Niners in that Super Bowl but they lost 31 35 so Hurts you know he has the attributes but I don't think we thought he was in the tier with the Herbert Allen guy but his has he kind of just made the case now with the playoff success and with the progression that he showed this year you know almost the MVP of the league with how good this team was is he get to be on the same level as these guys? Yeah, I think I, I would still, for my tiers, I obviously have Mahomes all by himself at the top of the tier. But I think I would still would put Allen and Burrow in the same tier. I think Burrow is still a better player. You know, you want him in the playoffs. But I do think sometimes in the regular season, you know, Burrow can get buried. He can have some really bad losses. You know, you can be like, what's going on there? Especially when they have uncharacteristic losses against teams where they don't care as much. Stuff happens and, you know, it happens to the Chiefs and Bills too. But usually they have some crazy stats to back it up. You know, when you look at EG, like the crazy um, three, was it nine, three win the Patriots had? When is the Pats and uh bills when they had that crazy wins and i don't know they just pats just ran it down the oh throats. yeah 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 that, that was a weird loss and then you know the dolphins lost for the bills this year when they had a crazy number of plays and all those lines but yes i would put so yeah it would be mahomes and then allen and burrow and then probably 
Hurts in that third tier. I think obviously he's moved up because considering, you know, some people didn't even know if he was a starter level quarterback. And this year I I'd, I'd put him at that third tier with Lamar, um, you know, talented guys, maybe Kyler Murray, you know, untested guys, but you know, either untested guys who were not a percent sure on you know put two on there or guys like Lamar where if you set up a system they can at times elevate their game to really compete with those top guys in the right system you know I think Mahomes and um, Allen and Burrow you know on a little less scale are system breakers they can just do whatever the heck they want but when you see um, Hurts in the right situation I mean he's just right up there with those guys um, and in this game, you know, he really, I mean, I think he played great besides that one fumble, which, you know, it may seem like one mistake, but like I mentioned earlier, was probably one of the top two, three biggest mistakes in the game, which, you know, it, it sucks to put it on that moment, but that's the Super Bowl. You know, Hurts had a really great game. I mean, 304 yards, uh, four total touchdowns, one throwing, three rushing, you know, 70 yards on the ground. And, you know, he, it didn't seem like he did while he had 70 yards on the ground. It did seem later in the game, they were able to stop him when needed. The defense did really step up, but he definitely, they definitely used him as a weapon. He was able to get some throws down the field. I mean, if Devontae Smith keeps his balance a little longer, there's crazy, you know, deep touchdown to him, but he had a, you know, Smith had a hundred yards, you know, kind of called it, you know, Smith to be the boomer bust guy. Um, too bad he didn't get his touchdown. All, all, all of the guys that you drafted in the draft, I think, play red. Smith, Kelsey had a great game. Yeah, yeah. Goddard, Tony had the touchdown at the end. Andy yeah. Reid in his bag with the play calling. I, I mean, of the two, you won the draft. Yeah, I guess. So, I mean, Gardner Johnson had that one hit where I'm like, did he kill Pacheco? I don't know. I'm surprised yeah. they didn't call targeting on that or something. And then he made another play a couple plays later and, you know, almost saved the game for the Eagles, stopping him when he came out to the outside, almost gone for the touchdown. So Gardner Johnson had a solid day on his own, but yeah, yeah he's no, good. No. Yeah, yeah, he was. He, I mean, yeah, he's a talented player. You know, he's he's crazy. But um, so yeah, pretty much to answer your question, Hurts. You know, when in the right situation, he um he really thrives. And the thing is, is that I'm not really a memes kind of guy. I don't like taking memes seriously. But Ghetto Gronk kind of had a point with one of his posts. Looking back at all the wins, the Shout Eagles out. themselves may also be in that tier of, you know, they pop off when they face the right team. Because when you really look at this Chiefs win, they probably should have had 10 more points. They make the field goal. They get that other fumble thing. Should have been up by more than 10. So, you know, this is kind of like almost a worst case scenario kind of thing with them also making mistakes. But when you look at, the wins the Eagles had this past season, they beat the Lions, a bottom three defense by three. They beat um Kirk Cousins in primetime, beat Carson Wentz, and we already know Kirk Cousins in primetime, uh, beat Trevor Lawrence before he started, you know, playing well. They beat the Cardinals without Hopkins or a kicker, uh, beat Cooper Rush, beat uh, Steelers, who were a bottom three team at the time. Uh, they had a close game against the Texans, who were three and thirteen, lost to Tyler Heineke in Philly, beat the Colts by one point. I remember that game. I was, yeah, I mean, Saturday. I really had hope in the Colts. Uh, beat the Packers by one score, even though Rodgers left the game. Uh, beat the Titans in the middle of their seven-game losing streak. The Titans losing. Beat Daniel Jones. Uh, barely beat the Bears, even though you know worst team in the NFL. Lost after Dak put forty on this team, 
lost to Andy Dalton by double digits at home, beat uh, the Giants by one score, and it was their backup team, and then beat Daniel Jones, and then beat the 49ers, you know, fourth quarterback, almost Christian McCaffrey, a quarterback, Brock Purdy, and then, you know, choked a double-digit lead to Mahomes, who was banged up. And, you know, shout-out to Ghetto Gronk for that graphic. But when you look at it, you know, people want to say the Chiefs had a Mickey Mouse ring. But really, you know, I, I think the Eagles, a lot of those wins were easier than they, you know, than people thought. And it's because, you know, like we mentioned earlier, the conference has been easier this last couple, you know, this season more than any other and even though their division had a lot of wins, it was a little inflated by the teams they were facing. And, you know, they faced a real test, and it, it did end up being only a three-point win. But it could have been a lot more. I mean, this game could have gotten ugly fast. And to use a, to use a take that you have with these quarterbacks and the importance of college success, like when you look at Jalen Hurts and his career, you know, two things that he showed in college that he has shown in the NFL, and one is, he is willing to work. He is willing to get better. We saw him progress at his time in Alabama, and we've seen him do it in the NFL as well. Again, you know, that was like a 500 team when he was his first year as a starter. In the playoffs against Tampa, he was really shaky, but almost MVP of the league this year, has his team in the Super Bowl, and he had those Alabama teams in the national championship as well. Like, he's constantly time and time again been in these big games, taking his team to the big moments. Yes, he's been on talented teams. Bama's best college team. Philly this year, best roster in the NFL. But he's time and time again captained these ships to, you know, being in positions to win the title. And he won the Heisman at uh, Oklahoma as well. So, you know, individually, he can elevate to a high level. So that's why I think you have to kind of put him almost on a tier with a guy like Herbert, who we haven't really seen do anything in the playoffs. You know, he's only he has only gotten there one time. And it was, you know, obviously we all know the Jacksonville game, that was disastrous. Josh Allen, you know, the AFC championship game, or the AFC divisional round game last year, he was brilliant in that game. That game alone, you know, I could go back and say, yeah, he probably should be in tier two, but we did the playoff resume after the cheese win. And there's just, there's a lot of up and down roller coaster stuff with his performance in the big games. Same with Lamar, same with Dak, same, you know, you just go down the list. Hertz is at least, can, you know, he at least can produce he can at least get a team to these big moments. It's like the Garoppolo thing that we've always said with the Niners, where it's like, you know, Garoppolo on this team is going to win you games. He's going to keep you in competitive in the playoffs, but Hertz is just a way better player and obviously a way higher ceiling. So I think, I don't know if I would, I don't know if he's better than Lamar. I mean, Lamar's an MVP. Athletically, he is incredible. Herbert's a great thrower, but I think if we're doing QB tiers, I think the pedigree that he has at this point He's got just some of the highest pedigree of any of the quarterbacks with his success in the big games against, you know, a guy like Allen, a guy like Herbert. And I love Lamar, you know, talented guy. We know the athletic stuff, but when you put in account the intangibles, the off the field stuff, the least amount of drama, the consistency, I think I'd rather have Jalen Hurts. And like you mentioned, yeah. And when you look at Hurts' career, um coach's son always first in the locker room you know his the work he puts in he's renownedly known for his work what he does you know similar to another of my favorite NFL players and Mika Fitzpatrick you know those players just get better every year 
And, you know, I love Lamar, but there's just always been some kind of drama off the field. And now there's this whole contract thing. But even that year, they got the number one seed. What is he doing? You know, he's messing around his week of, of preparing that he's supposed to be preparing, you know, posting videos online of him traveling, relaxing. And then he goes out and, you know, gets squashed. I, I think it was against the Titans, right? Or I'm not 100% sure. But was, was yeah. it one of your OG takes that you've never seen Lamar, you know, looking at the iPad on the sideline? Exactly. Like, you know, I've never seen him really studying. And Jalen and Hurts has that seriousness. You know, and he's a guy that, you know, I really respect. I really respect because one of the greatest sound bites that came out of the Super Bowl after the loss is, you know, a 15 year old reporter asking, you know, what are there some of the greatest lessons he learned? And, you know, he's, you know, you can see him, he's in pain and emotional pain, but he's like, you know, it's whatever way, whether you take these lessons and really learn from it or whether you let them break you. And for a guy who did it all he needed to do at Alabama and still lose his starting job to Tua, go to a whole nother team, you know, again, another talented team, but it's still Oklahoma compared to Alabama, get the Heisman, you know, he got pretty, pretty squashed pretty badly in the college playoff, then come to Philly, have to, you know, contend with uh, Carson Wentz for the job. Then everyone's asking questions about him. Can he throw deep? Blah, blah, blah. And even in the Super Bowl, when they have the challenge on, uh, or not the challenge, but I think that Devontae Smith um, review where the where they did it back and Sarani's messing around. And Hurts has to even, you know, play grow up on the, on the sideline when Sarani's out here messing around. So Hurts is really an adult. And, you know, while I love Lamar and the talent he has, at the end of the day, you need the consistency. That's that's the number one thing when when we compare all these quarterbacks um, from, you know, Mahomes and Burrow and all these guys to Dak and um, all these other guys who may be as talented. But when we when you look on the field, when you look at the work, um, Hertz is just more consistent um, with his play production. And I think he'll really I think he'll continue to grow these next couple of years. And, you know, when you really look at this game, it's one or two plays that really keep the Chiefs around. Obviously, Mahomes, he's been great this whole season. So that's why, you know, we we have him obviously in a couple of tiers above, you know, really dry. You know, the Chiefs have, like we mentioned, haven't actually been that great outside of him. And, you know, Hurts has one of the talented, most talented rosters in the league. But, I, I mean, I think the Eagles will continue to dominate the NFC for a couple of years to come just because, not just because of the talent they have, but because of the amount of work that Hurts will continue to bring. And I know that this experience will make him stronger because we've seen him be pushed back and him continue to work as hard or even harder. And if you look at his splits in the Super Bowl, first half versus second half, in the first half, he's pretty much amazing. He's 77% completion percentage, 184 yards and a touchdown. In the second half, though, his completion percentage drops to 62%. He only has 120 yards and he doesn't have any passing touchdowns. So, you know, at, at times he's just, he's really safe. He's a smart quarterback. He processes well. He knows when to take deep shots, but he also is very okay with settling, checking down because, you know, he knows if everything, anything goes wrong, if he can't find anything, he can scramble, he can get away. He can find stuff with his legs. He can always resort to that. So sometimes he's not, as aggressive as he needs to be. And I think, you know, he'll just continue to grow and get more confident as a passer. He's still in only what, like his second year as a starter. And this Eagle situation yeah. is just, yeah, it's going to be a, a good situation 
for him to continue to develop. And you got guys like Devonte Smith and AJ Brown that are like perfect for a guy like him, where in the mold and in, in the role that he is right now, where he is a little still like a little more limited, like he's not going to make the throws that a guy like Allen or Herbert can make, but you have these guys that are Smith. He's so good at getting separation and AJ Brown is a yards after the catch monster. But as Hertz continues to grow and develop, I mean, these are amazing receivers. They're going to be able to, you know, be whatever Jamar chase T Higgins down the field, whatever they need, need them to be as Hertz continues to develop. So the Eagles are going to be great for him. He's going to continue to get better because he has room to grow. And I think we have to give credit to the guy that drafted Jalen hurts. I think the other guy that is pretty much most important in this Eagles, not only just this super bowl, but in the run that they've had, Howie Roseman, the GM. And I think it's crazy because I don't know if there's another team that has been built around like the front office's ability to draft and develop and acquire talent like this Eagles situation. I mean, they were in the Super Bowl against the Pats with Nick Foles in 2017. That's only what, like six, seven. There's only four guys from that roster on this current roster that made the Super Bowl this year. Jason Kelsey, Lane Johnson, Brandon Graham, Fletcher Cox, and well, I, you know, those four and then Jake Elliott, the kicker. So five guys, four of them, you know, offense, defense. So he's completely remade this team. He's remade this team, you know, a couple of times since he's gotten there in 2013. He brings in Chip Kelly the first year he's there. They get the spread offense, the RPOs. That's not really able to materialize into anything, you know, real successfully, but it is innovative. It is forward thinking. It is, you know, leading this and leading the NFL into what, you know, the modern offenses is it the what the modern offenses are with the spread. And after Chip Kelly, he brings in Peterson. Obviously, they get the Super Bowl in 2015. Peterson, obviously, another offensive forward thinking guy and, you know, still like a really good coach. I feel like they, they might have let him go a little too early. We see him now in Jacksonville rebuilding, but it works out for letting Peterson go because they bring in Sirianni and. He builds up the lines, offense, defense, drafts hurts, obviously. So if you want to say like the Herschel Walker trade for the Cowboys, Bill Polian, who is a Hall of Fame GM, you know, he's responsible for the 90s Bills, was the GM for the Colts with Peyton Manning in that run. So two separate teams there also built the team, also built the 90s Panthers that went to the Super Bowl. So there are guys in NFL history that have, you know, Hall of Fame GMs, obviously, have built like multiple teams have remade, you know, rosters in different ways and one with different teams, but to remake it this quickly and to just flip it around complete to just win the Super Bowl, build it down, tear it back up and just to be back in the Super Bowl again. I don't remember a team that has had like the GM as the single focus of the team where, you know, obviously it's like a coach, a quarterback, Brady, Mahomes, Belichick, but for the Eagles, yeah, Hertz is a foundational piece, but Really, this team feels like it's built around Howie's Howie Roseman's ability to, like, like I just said, re- rework this roster and find the guys. Always just continue to find the guys that they need. Yeah, and that was another thing that you know um, people pointed out, and you know, something to point out is that you know they made the Super Bowl twice in the last five years. You know, something that a lot of franchises can't say, and it may seem a little small, but you know, it's not. They they have been consistent in bringing you know competitive seasons to philly you know when when um uh reed was over there you know made it to those three straight conference championships 
um and or i guess four yeah four four Four, conference champ yeah four conference championships you know one super bowl as well so you know they they have been they've been uh, you know over this past decade especially with howard roseman there they've been able to bring in talent and you know they also brought in you know one of their questionable calls was bringing in big fangio who went oh and six against the chiefs that was kind of (laughs) funny you know a lot of people picking fun of that but this team is definitely like we mentioned top to bottom the most talent and you know they're built for the future and they may have to look at some long-term options at o-line you know as always as everyone does because you know the best o-linemen are the old ones so you know once they start kicking out then it's tough but and you know defense and that was another thing that was interesting is that the defense didn't really stop Mahomes um it was it was kind of you know I, I didn't notice anything too much from the Eagles linebackers I know everyone was making a lot of, about their D-line um which got stopped a lot in this game but beyond that I mean their linebackers and secondaries kind of got cooked for this game especially with Kelsey and um I mean those back and forth moves but yeah and, and I, I think I think they really need to figure out some stuff back there and and this was not really able to be exposed in the Niners game that the Eagles played in the conference championship because obviously you know Purdy goes down their offense pretty much shuts down they're not able to push the ball down the field but the Eagles defense is more talented than it is like aggressive crazy blitzing like they're not throwing crazy stuff at you it's not a hard defense to read it's insanely talented when you have when you have like eight pass rushers that they have where you can just throw four of them out there and they're just always fresh. You just have fresh pro bowlers rotating through every like your pass rush is going to be good when your second, when your corners are playing the best football that they've played in their careers with Darius Slay and Bradbury, you know, he has the penalty, but he had probably the best season of his career this year was locked down for Philly. Like when you have that stuff happening, your defense is obviously going to be as good as it was, but the defense like Andy Reid is maybe the best offensive mind we've had in the league the last 20 years probably is. He's going to dice this thing up if you're not being like, it's just Kelsey. Like you said, the linebackers, obviously he exposed TJ Edwards a little bit with his route running, even with just like some of Edwards, just play recognition, diagnose, like diagnosing ability, a little slow at times, but Reed is going to dice that defense up if you're not mixing it up. And it's just not going to do that. Shout out to Jonathan Gannon for getting the job, the Cardinals head coaching job. I just think it's funny that the Cardinals, they hire Cliff Kingsbury, who's like the offensive coordinator with Mahomes. He's got the most talented quarterback we've ever seen. Is he even good? It's like, do we even know if he's good because he's had this quarterback? And we just, well, now let's hire the Eagles defensive coordinator who never really schemed anything up for this defense that was, again, maybe the most talented defense in the league. And Reed's, Reed's going to have a field day going at it. Hey, don't laugh too hard. Y'all got Shane Steichen, so... You know, yeah, he got the offensive guy who, you know, that team, that that side of the ball has all the talent. So the guy who's just the guy who just proved that he knows how to develop an Alabama quarterback into an MVP level, Super Bowl level quarterback. That guy. Yeah. With with Devontae Smith and A.J. Brown outside, you know, the best O-line in the league that can literally shove over anyone. With another another Alabama quarterback lingering in the in the draft, potentially. Another hey, Heisman okay. Trophy Alabama quarterback? <laughs> who knows? Who knows, man? Who knows? I don't know. I, I, I think I saw uh, McShay is talking about y'all trading with the Bears. Move up to one. Really lock down the position. I, I don't know. I think that was a smart move. But uh, back to the big game. Um, 
Yeah, I think it was kind of ridiculous. But they, I mean, they really exposed the secondary near the end zone where, you know, they saw that the cornerbacks would try to cheat on the other side, try to get to the other side of the line with that motion. And they just cut back. And, you know, it, that was just stupidly easy. Like, and, it, you know, it, it kind of, you know, I, I kind of get from the defensive side up trying to want to stop that. But at the same time, you know, if you get beyond it once and it's that open, you kind of can't let that happen again. And to let that happen twice, and it's a rookie wide receiver who beats you on it, and like you know he's fast and stuff, but that open near the end zone in that point of the game, you just you just got to play normal coverage, you know, just cover your guy, like you know, you just go basic high school stuff at that point. And you know they 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 just were stubborn about it, and it made scoring really easy. And again, you know, I'm not mad at it because the Chiefs guy, but you know it, like you mentioned, I, I think if they, I I personally think. If the 49ers had Jimmy G in that, that game, that would have been a lot more interesting. I mean, they I mean that that's something that can't be discounted is that they were on their third and then fourth and then third guy with no ligament in his arm um in that championship game. I mean, and I, I really feel bad for 49ers guys because they could have I think they could have had a serious chance to be in the Super Bowl. Um, you know, I think the Eagles probably would have ended up anyway just because of how potent that offense was, but you know, if they but don't it wasn't that. really moving the ball like until exactly. the until Purdy comes into the game and then the Niners just generally realize that the offense is not going to go anywhere and the game is probably lost. You can see the defense just falls apart at that point. Up until then, like the Niners off it was the turnovers, it was the crazy plays, but you know, they weren't really moving up and down the field. Exactly. And if they don't call that Devontae Smith, you know, catch a catch as they should, you know, which was another thing. The Eagles tried to do in this game multiple times. They tried to get the playoff quickly to stop, you know, people from checking the catches. And, and you know, they were stopped both times, thankfully. But, you know, the Eagles right now, hopeful future. I don't think, you know, they this is their first real go at it. And, you know, they just got in the way of they just jumped in front of the tra train that is the Chiefs. And, you know, I think they, they definitely had a chance. Obviously, they have plenty of chances to beat us. But they messed up, and you know they're Mahomes is the one taking the ring, and I think I think people may complain about the holding call and oh the game shouldn't end like that, which I understand, but I think most people at the end of the day realize that the right team won, and you know Mahomes continues his ascend ascendance right now. Ascendance all the all the way to goat status. It's coming. It's coming. It's working its way up there. Who knows? Um. All right, I think that covers it for the NFL. We'll go into draft stuff in the upcoming weeks. It's going to be a spicy draft. We'll be invested because of Rams, Colts. Here in L's, you know, when you're when you're up there, top four, you know, it could be higher. It's, it's be crazy, you know, which quarterback. It's crazy goes. that uh, it's crazy that we just go from the Super Bowl playoffs, like we're locked in because of the Chiefs, and right into the offseason draft, Colts are sitting right here. We're the most interesting team. Yeah, that's kind of, you know, we were looking at Super Bowl odds. I was listening to it, and, you know, the Chiefs got the best and the Colts got the worst. And, I, I you know, I hate the, this on your Colts, but I think we got the best and worst teams, which, you know, makes up for the best storylines because, you know, there's always something interesting going on. So, you know, you, you stay tuned. That's why you should keep listening to Rem and Sam pod because, you know, NFL isn't boring at any point in time. But another league that wasn't boring at all, the NBA 
One of the biggest trades, of course, happens midnight right after we shut off the pod. Kevin Durant is going to the Suns. No stars are in the East anymore outside of Giannis and Tatum and Embiid. Like, it, it's kind of wild, actually. We'll, we can talk about that a little more. But, of course, we got to start with the trade itself. The Suns get KD and TJ Warren, and the Nets get Mikhail Bridges, Cam Johnson, Jay Crowder, who was traded a little later, which we can get into a little bit later. And then four first rounders, or four, yeah, four first rounders and a 2028 pick swap. It looks like, you know, Josiah kind of listens to the pod. You know, he didn't go with the Grizzlies, but your boy did call it. I said the Nets need to blow it up. It makes no sense for them to keep around these players, you know, and it didn't. You know, Kevin Durant wanted out and he got out. I, I get I get what you're doing, Kevin Durant. You go to Phoenix, Devin Booker, Chris Paul are there. Like you're obviously now. I think we, if Kevin Kevin Durant comes back, he's healthy. He's playing the level that we saw he was playing in Brooklyn. That 20 game offensive stretch, maybe the highest just scoring, shot making, efficient stretch that anybody has had this season. Really, I mean historically as well. It's a, a great 20 game stretch. But if he's doing that on this Phoenix team. It should be the favorites. Well, maybe, maybe, maybe I'll ask you about that in a second. But th- this team is one of the favorites in the West, uh, clearly, to be the title. But, you know, going back to what we were saying last week, I really do wish that he had given this Brooklyn thing a chance because you see they get Mikhail Bridges, they get Cam Johnson in this trade who are good, good role players, above average, you know, really solid two-way NBA guys. Put him in this lineup with a bunch of guys that are already deep. Like this team is a competitive team. It's, you know, in a weird place right now with the roster where, you know, do we tank? Do we win? What's happening? But there's a lot of young pieces there. It's deep. There's wings. You just, they just, you have what you need to start assembling an interesting team. And I think Claxton's emergence as well this year, I think as just a two way guy, rim running guy, defensive guy, his upside next to a guy like Kevin Durant. Like he legitimately could be like a number three on a title team next to a great guy. Like Kevin Love was the number three on the 2016 Cavs. Like Nick Claxton could have some kind of Kevin Love like impact on this Brooklyn team. And with the assets that they have, obviously they have more now. The picks, they've been able to reset the picks that they've lost with this Durant trade. But the assets and the players that they had, like they could have made some moves. They dealt Kyrie and Kevin Durant, like some some other star is going to be available that could potentially want to get Ke- to want to play with Kevin Durant, who, by the way, you have under contract for several seasons and he's playing still at a peak level. And we both like what this Nets group has done outside of them dealing with the superstars, like when it's just the Nets guys making the moves, they're not catering to Durant where Durant, you know, you do have to take some credit for what happened in Brooklyn, like you went to the front office and you know, highly suggested that they bring in Katie, bring in Kyrie, one of these guys to get locked down long-term. Like you are a part of this. The Nets have done a good job of building a good supporting cast, not putting this team in like a crazy position, acquiring these guys. They've been able to be a competent organization and organization. So the Phoenix is clearly a better, like if I'm one to win the title, obviously, where do I go? Phoenix is closer, but for his legacy, Just giving it a shot, building something in Brooklyn, letting those guys, you know, without the toxicity 
without all without just maybe a bad basketball culture there have Durant as your star let's the, let the next guys build a team i wish that we would have just have gotten to seen it with the level that KD was playing because he was so good offensively for Brooklyn when he was there before he got hurt yeah and you know i I know you wanted Katie to stick on the nets. I wanted him out, you know, and, you know, it is kind of tough to see. I mean, KD, we had kind of see that without him or Kyrie or without Kyrie or Simmons or or uh, even James Harden when he was there just because of the number of injuries and the number of times he'd have to carry that team on his own. But I think the thing with KD is that at the end of the day, he is the best complimentary player of all time, probably. I mean, definitely up there. And he just he needs other stars around him consistently and he doesn't like it when there aren't other stars that he enjoys playing with and we've seen it in OKC once he was sick and tired of Westbrook he left went to the Warriors and then you know once you know Draymond got all in his face then he went to the Nets where he thought he have uh stars who complimented him and then they all left you know Simmons you know who knows what that is and then he now is with the Suns another bunch of you know stars you know Booker um, Aiton is all-star, you know, Chris Paul can be one of the best top 10 players in the, in the playoffs when he's really cooking. Um, you know, sometimes his injuries stop him a lot, but I love KD, but he's been a ring chaser his whole career. And, you know, when people want him, call him cupcake and all that, you know, they're doing too much, but you know, I, I think it's pretty, you know, like most of us, we want to obviously be in the best position at work that we can be. And I understand him doing that, but he still has been ring chasing his whole career and he's ring chasing again. And, you know, one sneaky thing that the Suns people haven't mentioned too much is with all that trades, the Suns depth is kind of scary thin, like almost no one. Um, When you look at the last couple of games, um, Players who've been playing the most minutes, Josh Okoji and, you know, Torrey Craig is up there, top five. You know, we got Damian Lee playing 23 minutes-ish. Wainwright, you know, 20 minutes. Londale has to play 11. And I think the Suns really need to be aggressive in the buyout market if they really want to make a deep run in the playoffs because it's nice to have those four guys, but what happens when Chris Ball hamstring starts acting up? Booker has already shown injuries this season. You know, Aiden can't carry on his own, and KD is 33, and he hasn't shown, you know, he's shown to be in and out. Some buyout guys that I think they really should go for, you know, I, I can't believe I'm saying this, but Pat Bev wouldn't hurt, you know. Something like that, Brent Forbes, that'd be another nice guy. Uh, Stanley Johnson, um, you know, maybe, I mean, I don't know about John Wall, but Serge Ibaka has uh, some nice playoff experience. Um, you know, Will Barton is someone who could they could free loose from the Wizards. You know, maybe even, you know, Russell Westbrook, if you really want to get freaky. But I, I think the Suns definitely are one or two moves away from really completing out this roster because Torrey Craig cannot be your backup. You can't have you can't have um, because they right now they're starting lineup. I mean, you look at their starting five. It's the four guys and Torrey Craig, which he's a good player, but you're going to get punished against teams like the the Nuggets. You know, Warriors, if they're really playing well, the Grizzlies with their depth. Um, so, you know, it's 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 nice that they're able to get Katie, but I, I think they aren't quite there to be considered the favorite for the title. And just on the Katie ring chasing real quick, like just the one thing as a basketball fan that 
You know, Katie is just ascending these all-time ranks. He is putting his name up there with these all-time guys. And if you're just like putting him up to these, putting him up next to guys like Hakeem and Shaq, and even like his teammates like Steph, you know, even if he wins the title this year in Phoenix, like that Phoenix team was in the NBA finals two years ago. They were 60 plus, you know, dominant regular season team last year. We're up three to one on the Mavs before Luca just superhuman. They start talking trash. The Suns, all the off the court stuff as well, just all comes to a head. It all collapses. But this roster is ready to go. Devin Booker is like an MVP, like first team all NBA level guy. They don't need Kevin Durant to win the title. So it's just it's just a bummer that we've seen him on teams that don't need him to win where he could potentially win. Hakeem, those mid-90s, Jordan leaves the league. He carries the team to the finals. I know Kobe, I know Shaq had Kobe, but his dominance on those Lakers teams, we saw Steph this past season carry the Warriors to the finals. This is these other like top 15 top guys, Tim Duncan. These other guys are like the franchise cornerstones where things were built around them and they were the best players on title teams that were built for them. And we just have never seen Kevin Durant, any version of that. I know they tried to throw it together quickly in Brooklyn and it didn't work, but just hopping over to Phoenix is, you know, this, this roster is those three guys, I think is the best three guys, but you know, going to what you're saying, I think it is a little disrespectful to Jokic and to the Nuggets that, you know, you just bring in Kevin Durant and you lose all your depth. And now all of a sudden Jokic is the MVP. Murray seems to be ascending back. You know, they actually have depth. They've been the best regular season team. league Again, Jokic might be the back to back to back MVP. So the Nuggets still have to be like right up there with me. I think they have to be neck and neck for best team in the Western conference with Jokic being the best player in the league. And with that team being an actual team that has, you know, it'll the, the, the Suns will be fine, but they have chemistry. They have a organization, a culture. They, they have all this stuff, and they've actually been the best team in the regular season up until this point in the West. Yeah, I think I think Jokic is definitely the best player in the West. Um, you know, maybe you're right up there with Giannis for best player in the league, and you know the Grizzlies as well. We I did we did mention that you know their their uh, offense does get a little predictable, but I think that depth, you know, in a seven game series is going to really hurt. Is going to really beat other teams um, like the Suns where, you know, they, it's it's a hard grind. I mean, these are physical games. A lot of those guys on, you know, with um, <clears throat> with the uh, Grizzlies, you know, younger guys who can play those games, um, you know, and even without Morant, they still went to six with, against the Warriors. They still had that huge blowout win against the Warriors in at home. So, you know, of course, the Warriors later handled business at home, but um you know, the Grizzlies, you know, may talk all that smack, but they have shown some resilience. Um, So that's another tough team. And, you know, there's there's no easy outs in the West. I mean, we're in the sneaky underlying underdog team that we've always that we talked about last pod, the Lakers. You know, they could come up out of nowhere. So there's a whole lot of landmines all over the West. And, you know, it's going to. And now if one of those four guys is hurt, especially KD or Chris Paul, then it's it gets really scary again with no depth behind them. You know, now you got a Koji and Craig being your top two guys, your top two wings. And behind that, you know, Londale, who else is there? So um, 
they they it can get real scary for the Suns if any of those guys get injured, and that's against some really tough competition in the West. So it's right now, of course, like we mentioned earlier, the top tier talent is great, and you know we've seen some other teams that have had the similar thing where it's really top heavy. But you know the best situation was the Warriors, and they already had a prove proven culture. They had won several, you know, they had several years of being in the system. And we haven't seen it yet with the Suns, all this upheaval, new ownership. And we'll we'll have to see. I mean, at least they've kept the same coach this whole time. So there's somewhat normalcy, but it's it I got a lot more questions than answers with this uh before we start crowning them as the favorites uh for the to carry the Larry O'Brien later this year. And Chris Paul, his last uh, 12 games, 15 and 10, he's playing a little bit better. The shooting numbers haven't been there this season for Chris Paul, but at least some of the numbers are producing as well. So you, you, that core, I think, is hard to beat. I think they're right there with the Nuggets at the top two. I, I still think Steph, in the playoffs, he's been the top guy in the West the, the past decade. I still would bank on him going in. I still want to, you know, but it's a tough matchup now with Durant in Phoenix and an underrated part of this trade is that they're actually, you know, they give up a lot of future future assets to get him, but at least you get Kevin Durant under contract for this season and three more seasons where it feels like a lot of the time in these superstar trades, you're getting these guys at their end of their contracts. Then maybe you have to re-sign them and give them more money where, you know, it's just not going to be an ideal deal, or maybe you're risking them potentially walking, you know, Kawhi, in Toronto, he got him a ring, but he leaves in free agency. At least you get Durant for the next four years where those assets that you gave up, at least you're going to probably, you count on being competitive those years. You count on him and wanting to stick around because I think with that core, you know, that's a pretty solid core going forward. I think, again, that's probably the best three in the league. Are the Warriors still in that group? Because I, you know, they're 29 and 29 headed into the All-Star break. And, you know, I... I still think though with Steph, I put him right up there with the Nuggets as, you know, who because who is coming out of the West for the finals, the Grizzlies as well. Like I still put the Warriors in that top tier, but the Suns now, is that too much firepower to go against Steph? I think Clay has been pretty on fire since New Year as well. But have the Suns kind of have they pushed the Warriors out of like the top tier now in the West? Um, so yeah, the Warriors right now, like you mentioned, exactly 500, 29, 29, ninth in the West and playoff Warriors that we're talking about. Yeah, no, I, I know I'm about to mention it, but, um, I just, I just think the thing is, is Curry this season, he's had a lot of weird injuries and he's been in and out. Um, and I think, you know, they're going to have an uphill climb getting in the playoffs because we don't know when Curry's coming back. I mean, I think they mentioned a report came out recently that they don't know about his return. Um, he has, he, they have no timetable right now. And yeah, he's, yeah, he's out in debt in, um, yeah, at least until, uh, um, okay. So yeah, now he's not going to be there back immediately after the all-star break. So it's going to be a little bit. And that's the second time he has left just this year. Cause he had the arm thing and then he's had this leg thing. So he's, he's had two different injuries just this year. And he's the amount of miles that have been put on Curry's body. And we already know he had many injuries before he was, you know, <clears throat> getting crowned as the best shooter in the of all time. 
and then, you know, work on his core, things along those lines. Then he put all these playoff miles on himself. Now he's dealing, and now I think, you know, his body's kind of fighting back now. I mean, he just had another full playoff, you know, playoffs against, you know, six-game series in the finals itself against the Celtics. You're right. That went to six, right? I think yeah. my memory yeah. serves me right. So, again, a pretty much almost a full playoff uh, season, which, you know, how many series he's had over the years, you know, he could put another season on that of much harder basketball than regular because we already know playoff basketball. So, you know, considering how fragile his body's been and how older he's getting, that's that's one of the things that, again, you know, I know we got to always put in LeBron somehow, but, you know, shows how crazy LeBron is of being able to play how much he is because he's just an anomaly. And when you look at his peers like Curry, it's like, you know, and, you know, LeBron was already in the league how many years before Curry? And it's, you know, it, it's just, it just is. And, you know, Curry's a smaller guy. He's just going to rack up the injuries and he's shown to be injury prone. So, yeah, when he's healthy and when he's right, he's right up there. But he's being less and less healthy, which is just a product of him getting old and him putting up these miles. But considering that these next couple um game this especially this playoff series the workload that he's gonna have is just gonna get bigger and bigger especially with clay dealing with his own injuries and even steve kerr has you know kind of admitted and clay himself that you know we're never really gonna get prime clay back again he's just too old and too many injuries and you know wiggins still hasn't shown as high um ceiling as he really put in those playoffs you know jordan pulled his serious questions being asked about him wiseman's out the door so considering that there's not really a player on this team who can reach those superstar levels of scoring curry is gonna kind of have to have another mvp um level kind season he's missed he's been in and out with weird injuries as well it's not even his ankles you know his arm and whatever else is going on i think it was his knee it's going to be interesting to see if he can do it because it's going to take a Herculean effort for him to make the playoffs because he's going to have to go through the playing tournament against probably LeBron. I mean, unless LeBron and the Lakers somehow get past that, but against LeBron, I think, you know, there's some tough guys down there and just, just in the, just in the playing tournament alone, and then has to go up against the elite teams as is. So, you know, Curry again, like I do agree. He is one of the best playoff performers, but you know, can he bring on another performance is the question with how tough it's been this year alone and how he's going to have to have a bigger load than maybe ever with all the pieces around him getting older, just not standing out. I mean, prime clay might be pretty close to coming back since the new year, since the calendar turned over to 2023, he has been 25 points a game over 40% from three before that he was only 19 points a game, 37% from three. And you, if you get like, Vintage Clay, he also had that performance as well in OKC, you know, like a week or two ago, 40 points popped off from three. You get kind of like a vintage, you know, efficient scoring Clay back. Steph, I feel like this is the best just version of Steph that has ever been on a basketball court. If I was just picking Steph's, I would take this one. I think his shot making this year, his ability to just get shots over guys, like he can just get a shot off any shot he wants over any defender, like at any, it's just like, you know, early in his career, he was obviously a, a great scorer, but still like a shooting based score with his shots. Now he kind of like has expanded his package to include like these fadeaways, just like shots that you would just think that bigger players would have in their package, similar to kind of what Kyrie does with his handle and his shot making. But 
this Steph vintage clay Draymond is still like high IQ defense. It's all the pieces are still there. And if this team is just in the playoffs against a team like the Grizzlies, we saw I jaw went crazy, but still like against the Grizzlies, the Warriors pedigree, the Kings are the three seed right now. The Clippers are unproven. Like, you know, they're it's still like Steph. I feel like he has to be in the conversation again. It's still hard to pick against him, but the core now in Phoenix, it's, it's tough. And I feel like yeah. you, it's going to be tough for a team like Sacramento, a team like maybe even Dallas now with Luke and Kyra, a team where I think the West would have been more wide open. Feels like, you know, Durant to Phoenix. It feels like it's really consolidated the race down to the stars. Maybe if Kawhi can get back to a certain level, jaw is in a playoff level. Again, maybe just all the stars are in the West and that's just going to, what's going to yeah. end up. But I feel like, you know, maybe for Sac- maybe Sacramento is really the real loser of this trade for not getting Durant because it feels like they're going to be left behind in the playoff race if they're going in head to head with Sabonis and Fox. Yeah, it's going to be interesting to see if they can hold on to their spot in the West because they're pretty high up for how, you know, little superstar talent they have, but, you know, similar talent. And I and for Clay being in the prime, I think, you know, offensively, he can definitely reach some of those heights. But I think just defensively, his athleticism, staying up with those guys, being able to guard the best guy every night, you know, I don't think that he's ever coming back. But, yeah, no, that's know, true, true. Yeah, yeah, it's definitely up there. But the team that, you know, I think another real winner is Jacques Vaughn. Because you look at this Brooklyn Nets, roster i mean you know they got the exact opposite problem of the Suns. they got wings for days a 20 kajillion wings just looking at the players they have that dinwiddie bridges cam johnson finney smith we mentioned claxton simons cam thomas joe harris royce o'neill i'm darian sharp i mean those are all guys i like you know you utah not wantanabe was you know, best three-point shooter in the league for a while there. We haven't even mentioned Seth Curry. Patty Mills is still on this team. Um, I think, like, the only, you know, player is shaking, I guess, is uh, Edmund Summer. But beyond that, I mean, they're 1 through 15. They may not have the top-level guys, but 1 through 15, they may be right up there with some of the best teams, um, you know, in the league in terms of just how deep they are and, you know, with the Nets, it would be interesting to see if they want to make a trade here, get rid of. I I personally think maybe they can fool a team into taking Ben Simmons. You know, if the Kings maybe are like, this isn't going to work out. This place got really crowded really fast. You know, maybe they can smooch off, you know, Sabonis or Fox, make them make them tank. Maybe maybe if the Jazz want to tank even harder and they can steal Laurie Marketing, who suddenly turned into a number one option out of nowhere. I, I definitely think that there's some trade possibilities with this team. They they do kind of have too many wings. I think, uh, you know, they're going to have draft picks coming up. They, they just got to get rid of some of these guys. But I really like this team. You know, they're beating the Heat right now. And I think the Heat are healthy, actually, too. And, um, I, you know, if in with the amount of injuries Zion has been having lately, you know, if I didn't jump teams last year, you know, I, I think about jumping this one. But, you know, they're definitely gonna they're definitely up there in terms of on my radar, probably my second favorite team right now, just how deep they are. And it's, it's definitely a team I like with, you know, if, if Ben Simmons can wake up and Spencer Dimwitty doesn't hog the ball too much. It's, it's going to be a fun team. It's going to be a fun team, just like of old. 
and I think too, uh, Jake Fisher of Yahoo Sports. Uh, let me see real quick if I can pull this up. Uh, yeah, from five hours ago. So today, yeah, Jake Fisher today was reporting that the Nets might potentially explore trading Ben Simmons in the offseason. So, oh, you know, there you go. And, and now that now that they've recouped the picks that they traded for Harden with it, like they get all these picks back for Durant. You get Bridges and Johnson, too, who are just like stud, like building block role guys. Not to go back, but Claxton, again, his emergence this year, this guy is like, he might be like an all NBA guy, all defensive, like level guy this year. And he has, might have that at just some point in his career in general with what he has shown this year. So you get Claxton, Thomas, like who knows what he becomes, but at worst, he's like a really good heat check off the bench guy who can like be in your starting lineup, you know, like maybe a way 40. Yeah, way better version of Norman Powell, potentially like that. That's like the worst version of Cam Thomas was what, you know, what his 40 points right, you know, off the bat. So this Nets team is going to be good. And I'm, I I think like the front office has the capability to construct this roster into something interesting, because like we said, the drafting has been good. They are, you know, they're going to have those picks that they could potentially hit on it. If they can get a team to move Ben Simmons, I think I think that's a move. Are they? Is this like a sell Ben Simmons off for just picks and full tank? Because their 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 roster is in a weird spot right now, where, you know, th- they could potentially try to make the playoffs this year. Obviously, you know, maybe they could try to steal one playoff series, but that's potentially about it. And if they try to tank, well, they're not going to tank far enough to get Wan Ben Yana. They're probably not even going to tank far enough to try to get Scoot. So, like, you know, is like what? It, where is it a tank? trade is it a win trade because the talent's there so if you're tanking to get a star like you don't want to waste the talent but maybe you don't have enough to get a star and maybe tanking is not a weird so they're just kind of in this weird middle ground right now yeah they are and um yeah before you know any audience because i know you guys are totally invested i'm not leaving from the pelicans bi has been cooking i just really sad to not see zion out there but I don't think they should tank. I really don't. And I think they can really fool a team with Ben Simmons, maybe throw a pick or two on there. But I think Ben Simmons is the main guy that they got to get off of because the rest of this team is kind of fun. And it reminds me a lot of that team with D'Lo, how it was fun and stuff like that. But it kind of gives one of my favorite players, you know, every once in a while, there's the third, fourth option, second, third, fourth option on teams that you're like, I wonder what would happen if, they had their own team. We have that with Clay Thompson. Um, you know, where what could have happened? Um, I'm trying to think one another one off the Bain. top of my head. Um, what's up? Who, Desmond Bain. Desmond Bain, if he had his own team. Well, guess maybe, what? Maybe like a weird like maxi hero situation. Exactly. An elevated yeah, role. Yeah, yeah. But except they actually need Maxi and we'll probably end up giving him the shots with how you know fast Harden's production is falling. But anyway, um, now, Mikhail Bridges has his own team, which is even more reason to get Ben Simmons out of there. And what did he do tonight? Oh, yeah, he dropped 45, 8, and 9. And, yeah, 45, 8, 9, you know, with Cam Thomas dropping his own numbers, that doesn't seem that crazy. But he was cooking tonight. And I, I think, you know, I, I really do think Mikhail Bridges, if they give him time, you know, I think they could definitely do a win by committee or a score by committee thing with this team. You know, if I'm Jacques Vaughn, I might just first quarter, just give half, you know, half 
one starting five and half the other starting five and give every player five shots and whoever makes all five, just have him shoot all night because there's just so many shooters on this team who could get hot. Um, just one through 15. I mean, they've all shown high potential and you know, I really, Mikhail Bridges is going to get punched in the face before one of these times, but I really like his celebration in front of the bench. It, I mean, come on. If I have somebody say that, say that I might smack him. He's going to get hit by someone like Pat Bevers. But you know, I, I really like the swagger of this team. You know, Spencer Dinwiddie, they're just a whole bunch of guys who you really can't, they have, you know, some reasonable confidence in this team. And, you know, I've been a fan of Mikhail Bridges for years, and now he gets his own team. Spencer Dinwiddie has been another player who the Mavs will miss a lot this next year. And like you mentioned, Nick Claxton, great guy. Cam Johnson, a great piece. And it's it's just tough. I mean, they're, they're having – one, you know, about one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. They have eight players playing 20 plus minutes, you know, and, and Seth Curry's only got 10 minutes out there, you know, so it's it's definitely going to be interesting. I think Seth Curry could be another player they could throw in a trade. I think they could get some really good assets. He's a really good playoff piece. And, you know, I, 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 I mean, I think any team would be happy to have him. So there's definitely some players in Simmons and, and Curry who they could flip for upgrading on this team. And, you know, maybe they should just stand pat because one of these other teams, everyone, again, 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 all the top media is like, oh, the Knicks, well, they'll be the they'll be ready for the next superstar to come along. And I think the Nets will be really the next place for uh, a team to really consider trading their superstar to because they just got so many assets and so many interesting pieces. And, you know, I love y'all Pelicans and bring back Zion, but it's going to be the Nets that I'll really be keeping my eye on, especially after this all-star break. And we've seen those assets too be moved for a superstar, like Simmons, Curry picks like that was James Harden, who was, you know, you can make a case all, you know, he's coming off an all NBA career at that point. You still have to pay the price to get him. So if you can take those assets, is there potential here? Like you're saying where they just swing big in the off season. And if one of these disgruntled all NBA guys gets upset, you know, if the Raptors are really like, hey, we got to move on from Siakam. If the Lakers thing goes really bad this year and Davis just looks at this and goes, I want out. Like, is Simmons, Curry, and Picks, is that tempting enough to throw at one of these other teams where a superstar could get upset? Is that, a, is that enough? Like, Simmons' value at this point, I don't know if it's increased or decreased, but, you know, is, is, is just all that enough to get one of these disgruntled All-NBA guys? I think it would be. I mean, you know, if if Kurt, if Simmons these next couple of days can really up his value and, you know, make sure we're cleaning up a little bit. Um, uh, uh, let's say Bridges had 45, five assists, eight rebounds. Um, still a crazy stat line. But I definitely think that that is an interesting trade for teams to consider, Of you know, if Simmons can really, you know, have ball handle and, you know, really up the defense. And that's another thing this team has is they have just long, tall guys. And if they really, if Jogvon can get these guys to buy in, it's going to be some scary nights in Brooklyn trying to score on this team. I mean, we already saw it against the 76ers. They came back and beat them. But there, I mean, there's just some ridiculous possessions. When you have teams who are a little lackadaisical, they can really turn on the clamps and play defense. And they've just started playing together. And... You know, this is, you know, Dinwiddie has a little bit of an ego, you know, Bridges a little bit, but this is a team of mostly no egos, guys who are willing to work. And, you know, it's it's definitely, I think they're all going to up their stocks. Simmons is going to have his day in the sun. 
he's going to have his, you know, 10 assists, 10 rebound, five point game. And, you know, once out, once he gets out of his own head, you know, we'll see if he can, if he can uh, up his stock. I don't know if he will too much, but having him Curry, you know, some picks um, that that's definitely, I think that's a trade that most teams won't be able to say no to. Simmons and Dinwiddie's a lot of money. Like you could throw at a team. You can potentially get yeah, a yeah. really big contract coming back. Where, where's your Carl Towns stock right now? Because we've yeah, seen him off the court one. for a couple months. And obviously Anthony Edwards is way better when the ball's in his hands. The Minnesota thing looks great, but Towns, like if you dig into his offensive numbers, there's some efficiency stuff. There's some scoring stuff with him. And if you put that money together, Maybe his stock has dipped to the point where you don't have to give up as many picks as you thought you would have. Like, is that a kind of guy they could go for in the offseason? Like, who realistically do you think you could get? Who would you even want on this Brooklyn team with? Claxton, Bridges. Because that is, that. I mean, this is a really good core. You, we wouldn't want to waste this on a super. Like, we don't want them to go out and get Bradley Beal. We don't want him to throw no, that ball. Beal, bring him into this situation. Like, like, who do we realistically want to even see them go out and get? Because... I think this is both going this this team is going to be near and dear to both of our hearts. No, this team is definitely going to be one we love for a while. And you know, you look at some of the top, you know, the teams in the East there isn't much going on, but you hop on over to the West. Like I mentioned, Laurie Markkinen, I think he could really fit in this team and him with Bridges, uh, Dinwiddie, I think they could supply enough scoring to make it really interesting if maybe, you know, one of those guys turns into a superstar. I mean, marketing is, it's, I think with him, it was just mostly confidence and that, you know, the Euro league, he gained that confidence and this year we're really seeing it. People believe in him. Dame Lillard, you know, do the Trailblazers finally blow it up, send him over there. You know, they, that team could definitely cover his defensive stuff. And on the offensive side of the ball, they definitely need someone to run this team. You know, and and Dame Lillard can be a playmaker at times. You know, he can take some of the attention, and then you suddenly get open threes for you two and Montanabe in the corner, and you know, and now you're looking stupid. So I definitely think that Dame Lillard could be interesting. You know, we always talk about the Lakers finally blowing it up. You know, whenever LeBron leaves there, and you know, now you have AD all by himself. You know, throw AD over there. You know, twin towers with Claxton. So. I think there's definitely a couple options, you know, maybe the Clippers finally wake up or the Kings. So there there are some teams, some some interesting players they could move for. And yeah, like you mentioned, it's probably, I mean, in, you know, probably in my opinion one of the most interesting cores in the in the league right now. I think I think a lot of teams are looking at that roster and salivating over maybe getting one of those wings because, you know, everyone knows the Nets can't keep those wings. They, they just can't roll with them for long-term plan. Um, and, you know, it's kind of weird. It's kind of weird, but they do have too much talent, you know, kind of what the Hawks had a couple of years back. And they're going to they're gonna have to trade one of these guys. And I think you two, even you two want to know, they, I think, I mean, I think you could get a low first rounder, you know, second rounder out there somewhere. Just, I mean, he's shooting how tall he is, and uh, it's Plus they definitely have enough pieces. Yeah, and a, a good defender. I mean, there's there's no team in the league that's saying no to that. So it's it's definitely they definitely have a lot of options for this next year, um, which 